We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Week 10 Rankings Debate. We'll touch on the waiver wire a little bit because last show went at a date after about, I don't know, three minutes after it was done. So we should probably re-up on that a little bit. I do want to let everyone out there know that if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, three ways to do so. Number one, smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me the one running back you want to trade for right now. Now, I'm not talking about like, hey, I want to trade for Christian McCaffrey, but someone like a bit under the radar. Just a sleeper target at running back that you can trade for right now that you think is going to be very viable throughout the course of the final few weeks of the season. If you're making a playoff push, help each other out in the community here and leave that in there. And you might win 20 DK bucks. The other way to do so, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. That's how you help out the show the most. Download the episodes that pop up, whether you listen or not. But the big thing, review, rate, Five stars, DraftKings handle, something nice about the show. That way you'll be in a draw for 20 DK bucks, and I'll be able to identify who you are. The other way to do so, follow me on Instagram at the PME. Heart the photos that go up there about the sports, and then leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. It's that easy. It takes like, I was going to say 12 seconds, but it probably actually takes a little less time than that. The Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League will eventually be open as of this recording. I do not have the link yet, but as soon as I do, I will throw it in the comment section and the description of this video and podcast. $15 to play, no rake, $45,000 of guaranteed money. Uh, you only have to beat 29, well, actually, you probably don't even need to beat like 2,999 other people because I like put in three entries. Most people put in, max it out at the three entries. So you're not going to have to beat that many people. A unique lineup can really go a long way to helping you secure that $5,000 top prize. Yeah, you can do that. And you've kept min cash, you get double your money. It's the best tournament on DraftKings. Recommend that every single person play it. Joining me now from theathletic.com at 
all in kid on the Twitter and the Instagrams. It's Jake Seely. What's going on? Uh, I didn't see your dog around, but I've been told that we should start calling you Shaker Sake and Bake. Sake and Bake. Oh, oh for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah Barkley's the name of the dog. You get Sake so, and Bake. So, so wouldn't it be Sake and Jake then? Yeah, Sake and Jake. That's probably even better. That's even better. By the way, yes, fresh off my trip from the Notre Dame University. No, just Notre Dame University. That was an amazing trip, by the way. Well, you got to watch what, like their best drive in 25 years? <laughs> this, honestly, it was pretty much, hey, get to the game, enjoy 59 minutes of being miserable and freezing cold with 25 mile an hour winds and 35 degree temperatures. And then, hey, one amazing drive. But I did get to see the suites, which were just, oh my God, the, the money that's at this school. Let's just say this, Pat. It wasn't very diverse where I was. <laughs> really? Really? In South Bend, Indiana at a Notre Dame game? It wasn't just ripe with diversity? No. <laughs> the suites, which cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah, mind blown over here. I would not yeah, have expected no, right? that, Jake. Yeah. My buddy was like, hey, you should try and find a woman while you're here because you'll be marrying into money. I was like, the problem is they're all like 50 plus and married to old white men. Yes. Well, there. that's the move. You just need to be an older white man. Then all of a sudden you can marry one of these 50 year old broads <laughs> that's true <laughs> you got to make a lot more money first though i think that is yeah that's i can't be like on the flip side of it where you know it's they're uh, you know well, i'm sure there's some women out there that don't mean being the sugar mama yeah see maybe that's the move that's so um there are some people in the city that i live in right now uh, whether it's male or female that's how they're putting themselves through college being sugar sugar mamas sugar- or sugar daddies Really? Hey, yeah. you know, whatever gets you through there. And this just, hey, but this is the perfect example of pay the students. By the way, did you ask Andercust? Is he, is he upset that I got to go on this? I haven't asked him yet. I will be talking to him in like an hour and a half or so, but I will. I'm sure he is. He's upset about everything. <laughs> I know, especially last weekend, especially everything. Yeah, that's true. At least Notre Dame ended up winning. That was the one. That and Baker losing were the two like positive points of his week. That was the only two positive points. The funny thing was, is watching that Jets game, I was sitting with a Dolphins fan who was so conflicted because he's like, yeah, touchdown. Oh, crap. We're actually winning the game. It was just, it was very fun to watch. Well, I watched the game next to Garyon, who is a Dolphins fan. Right. Uh, and he was very, he was like, I'm not even really torn. This is win-win for me. Like, either we lose and we continue to be in the running for the first overall pick. Plus, if we lose to Cincinnati later on in the year, we'll get the number one pick anyway. But if we beat the Jets, Tim will be really sad. So that's not too. <laughs> See, my buddy doesn't get the experience of Tim, so he was just conflicted in the fact of cheering for his team and cheering for his players and vice versa, losing the draft pick stock. Yeah, that's no fun. Anyway, let's talk waiver wire just very briefly for a second. I had like Paris Campbell, my guy, was inside the top five of pickups with T.Y. Hilton out, but now he's out with like a broken hand for a <laughs> month, maybe the entire season. Cam Newton goes to the injured reserve. Nick Foles is now starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars coming out of their bye next week. And then all of a sudden, Mark Walton, who was my number one pickup, just because you know there's no real good running backs to go pick up, uh, he's now suspended for the drugs. So I was trying to like fiddle around with where I would put Kalen Bellage, but like he's not good. So that's a problem. No, that's the biggest problem with that. And in my waiver column, I even wrote up, I put the Dolphins running backs because you can make a case for Patrick Laird. You can make a case for Gaskin. Uh, Here's really what it comes down to. If I'm taking my personal preference on talent, I just chase Gaskin. The problem with him is that he's just not going to be strong enough to be between the tackles. He needs to split a backfield with somebody. I think his ceiling is Philip Lindsay, but we see how rare the Philip Lindsay's of the world are. Bellas just isn't good as a running back. I actually think that if you forced the hand 
I think their best backfield duo would be Laird and Walton and they're not Walton uh, Gaskin. Just go with those two, but they're not going to completely go away from Balazs yet. I don't think I, here's the problem. I don't want to pick up Balazs, but then I look at the end of the year in the fantasy playoffs, they get the jets, the Bengals and the giants. Like right. if he can somehow overcome not being good, maybe I guess Walton comes back in week 14, By then. Yeah. but like, does Walton come back? And like the job is like, I would, a part of this case would be Balazs becomes the starter and is not horrible. He doesn't need to be great. Just not horrible. And then maybe the job is his for that gravy schedule in the playoffs. Yeah, I still go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the season, though. I don't know that if Balazs is horrible, that they don't give more opportunities to Gaskin or even more opportunities to Laird. It's just there's no ties. What, the, what I told you at the beginning of the season was there's no ties for this current regime to Balazs or even before him, Drake, who they traded away. They drafted Gaskin, and then they signed Laird and the undrafted free agent. They're looking ahead for next year. Not that they should do what the Giants did with all their issues and draft the running back in this class. But my point being is they're not going to say like, oh, let's just keep using this guy because he's here. Or we have ties. It's like if Blush thinks for two more games, at least one more game, I want to be surprised if we see a mix. I think this essentially the end result, I think, just be, ends up being the Lions. Like Balage might get the most touches, but you might get outperformed by Gaskin. And it could be any given week could be any different one of them. But at best case scenario, they're maybe knocking on the RB2 door. I mean, we're not even talking top 20. So I have Ronald Jones at number one of the pickups, Jalen Samuels number two. If I, ne- <laughs> I thought you were going to your rankings no. first. No. <laughs> I was like, you've lost your damn mind. <laughs> uh, in terms of pickups, like if I knew Connor was going to be out again this week, I would have Samuels number one, and I'd probably have Trey Edmonds a lot higher as well. But he's now back practicing on a limited basis. I still don't know if he's going to play or not. I have him not ranked when we get to the running back rankings. But there is a chance that he does play, and that throws a wrench into the entire situation. Then you've wasted a pickup. I'd still well, – I mean, if you didn't pick up Jalen Samuels last week and he's still available, I don't know what you're doing in your league. I don't know what league that is. Yeah. But anyway, he's only owned in like 38% of ESPN leagues at least. So that, that that's what the numbers tell me. So Ronald Jones, Jalen Samuels, Kalen Balage, Darius Geis, Ty Johnson, Kareem Hunt. That's not yeah. like super inspiring. No, and I, you know, you know I used Yahoo and then Duke Johnson's fallen under 60% because people were dropping him. Tariq Cohen's been pretty miserable, but he dropped under 60%. It's a 16 bye week. And if it's a full point PPR, he has some value. But those are the same guys I have. I said, check on Drake. You know, he's got at least one more week of value, even if David Johnson comes back. The Samuels one and Peter, Peter, the only thing with Geis is he's not going to be valuable right now. Uh, that's the upside of going forward. But Adrian Peterson, for two weeks in a row, he's not going away. The weird thing about Adrian Peterson is we knew from last, actually, the past two seasons when he got 20 plus touches. 99% of the time, I think he had only had one game where he didn't do completely awful the next week. So he's turned the corner for that already. Uh, I don't know that Adrian Pearson just goes away. Obviously, Geis is the answer for the future, but this Redskins team is also looking for the future. I don't think they're going to force Geis into a situation where like, hey, let's make sure we're getting him touches coming off now a second injury in two years. Yeah, plus coming off the second injury in two years with no sample of NFL work whatsoever, and we're two years removed from him being good in college. Are we even sure that he's actually any good? I, I am. I still think he's better than Leonard Fournette. To answer your question for before, that would be my pick, by the way, Leonard Fournette for the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule. You're essentially buying high because Leonard Fournette's going to take an RB1 price to get back, but he's a little bit lower than those top-end guys. Schedule is terrific for him. I would just make sure you also have Paul Armstead. But all that being said, I thought 
I still do. I, obviously, the injuries could have killed him at this point. There's no telling what he's going to be, to your question. But Darius Geis, for me, was slightly above Leonard Fournette coming out of LSU. Very similar to him in the fact that people didn't realize he's a good pass catcher, and I would argue better than Leonard Fournette because LSU doesn't throw to the running backs. I thought he was ba- – basically, you add about 10% to Leonard Fournette, and that's who I thought Geis was. We haven't seen it. There's no way to tell if that's going to be true at this point. And if he falls and fails, I mean, honestly – there's no re- I, we're not going to be able to validate my opinion at this point because it's either it's going to be looking good and be like it's kind of the win-win like is either it's going to look good and be like oh Jake was right or it's going to look bad and people are like well you never know because the injuries could have killed his career so I'm um, you know I could take a victory lap either way yeah so I talked about Miami's schedule at the end of the year for running backs it's quite good how about this schedule for someone the final it doesn't sound great on paper but the final three weeks of the season you get Cowboy or fantasy season, so 14 to 16. Cowboys at the Packers versus the Chiefs. That's not a bad running back schedule. No. Who is that? David Montgomery? David Montgomery. Yeah, I, that's. I assumed it was going to be. I, I assumed you were going to bring up David Montgomery or Josh Jacobs, who I love. You know, I love Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you know what? If viewers of the show don't need to trade for Josh Jacobs. They have Josh Jacobs already. <laughs> that is that is very true. The David Montgomery thing. Look, the truth is about David Montgomery is he's the most talented running back on this team. And I, I guess you could also make the case for Tariq Cohen right there. He's maybe he gets more involved towards the stretch of the season, he, but he, he would be here. Here would be my spin on it. Why I would say that Montgomery is actually a nice buy right now. And I mean, there's no guarantee that he's going to continue to have this sort of workload. He played 71% of the snaps in week nine that could get shifted back about Mike Davis might end up coming in. However, He's been bad the entire season. He has this, like, one big week. Like, oh, my God, all these carries. He scores the touchdowns. You might be able to trick someone into thinking that they're selling high on him when you know that you can get him for the fantasy playoffs. No, honest to God. Like, you know how No, I'm laughing because you're right. Because people are always just like, oh, my. It's like Damian Williams. Like, the Chiefs have a miserable running back uh, schedule down the stretch. So, like, you would want to sell high on Damian Williams coming off a really big week. This would be the time to sell him. I think that people might feel the same way about David Montgomery, but he might actually have more value than maybe you think if you own him. I, I, that's like I said, I was laughing because I completely agree with you. I think that's a really good way to look at it is the David Montgomery and the initial pushback I was going to give you is I would love to trust him, but I don't trust Nagy. Well, I think that's the thought process from everybody that owns him and hasn't traded him away at this point. I have somebody in my league who's like, I, I hate David Montgomery every single week. Blah, and that's the frustration. So to your point, even buying high isn't even as high as he essentially should be if we just at this point of the season, like if he was coming back off an injury or if he was replacing somebody in front of him who got hurt and he really hadn't got any opportunities to this point. People will be a lot more excited about him. And I think it's just the expectations going into the season, seeing his potential and seeing the misuse by Nagy. I think it's a good point. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, the other one is against the Chargers at the Texans at the Chiefs. Sorry, Texans, Chiefs, Lions. Chargers, Texans, Chiefs, Lions at the Denver schedule down the stretch that if you could pry away Lindsay or Freeman probably won't cost you a ton. If you need like either a backup or a flex play, something like that. I think it's something that if you want to solidify your bench or you're just weak at running back, it doesn't sound like much, but those guys will be ranked like, you know, top 20 ish uh, during those weeks. So that's something I would look at as well. I think it's another good one as well. I actually think all of those were on uh did you see Brad Evans tweet earlier today? Cause he was ra- He was raving about David Montgomery's schedule down the stretch. And I, I, and I, 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 I did, I, I, I didn't see the tweet, but now I feel like an idiot. Cause it sounds like I'm copying him. 
No, I I brought that up because I know you'd be honest about it. So I just want people to know you're not copying them. People no. call you and him because you're both entertaining on Twitter. I was talking to Brad the other night. We we, we constantly chat, just never about fantasy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> about betting? Yeah, just we gotta, we gotta run our bets by each other. That's how it works. Yeah, that makes sense. Because we're both bad at all. He's not really good at college football or college basketball or something. College basketball, yes. If you want somebody to trust for college basketball, I would trust Brad Evans for that. I believe he's killing college football this season too. Myself, not killing anything in terms of gambling <laughs> these days. I, this is I, I'm in a state where I can't anyway, and I, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I mean sometimes uh, everyone just wants to. Well, legalize, here's a perfect Everyone example. wants to legalize gambling, but when it comes, you're like, oh god, I'm terrible at this. So let me ask you something real quick about gambling. I want to ask you. So like the World Series. So two games in, I was actually I asked Meanie, our friend, two games in, I was like, hey, it'd be really cool to bet right now on the Astros because I'm sure the value is huge and they could surprise everybody. And then what my question, this is my question to you. After they won the three games in a row, could you have like sold off your ticket at that point to avoid the risk of the last two games? Or do you, are, you, are you locked in after the first two games? I mean, it depends on the site that you end up wagering at. Like some offer okay. early cash out options, which are really against the best interest of anyone holding the ticket. The, the prudent move, if you really wanted to hedge yourself out of it, would be you lay the bet on the Astros at probably after they were down 2-0 with the Nationals going home. I don't know what it was. I guess it was like plus 225, plus 250. And then when they won the three games, turn around and bet on the Nationals at like plus 300. Okay, that's fair. See, I'm trying to learn these things in case we ever get it here. Yeah. should possibly happen soon. Yeah, but yeah, is it like close? Are you are you in Virginia I, or West Virginia? Don't put me in West Virginia. I don't, Williams did this. D'Angelo Williams did the same thing. I was like, stop. West Virginia. I hate West Virginia just as much as everybody with the cliche. I would not get out of my car in certain areas of West Virginia. Don't put me in West Virginia. I'm in Virginia. I'm in Virginia Beach. I'm that little piece that's like off there on the corner that everybody like that on the map. That's us down there in the corner. I didn't realize there was such a rivalry. I thought they'd be like... It's not a rivalry. I just don't want to be associated with West Virginia. I mean, do people in South Dakota feel the same way about North Dakota? I don't know. Find somebody from South Dakota. I don't know anybody from either of the Dakotas. I just... The 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 assumption that goes with West Virginia of backwoods and in the middle of nowhere, like the hills have eyes and all that type of stuff. Like I told you, I've driven through West Virginia and there are certain areas where that's the only thing. I don't believe in horror movies. They don't scare me. The Freddy thing never scared me. I would say Candyman in the mirror 15,000 times. No, but the hills have eyes getting stuck on the side of the road in the middle of West Virginia absolutely would terrify the crap out of me. Jake, I, I hate to break it to you, but most people just think that's Virginia too. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get everybody out of. It's not Virginia. We're right outside of Norfolk, the biggest naval shipyard on the East Coast. We are. This is Virginia Beach. We are essentially barely almost North Carolina. Sounds like fun. It's just like when I lived in New Jersey, people were like, "Oh man, the beaches are so sick here." It's like, no, they're not. They're fucking terrible. Like, what are no, you they're not. About? Yes. That's one thing. We're originally from New Jersey. I'm with you. The shore is crap. Yeah. It's disgusting. Like we actually legitimately have nice beaches, although the waves aren't that great. Okay. All right. How do I we get, even get on with Virginia anyway? I, I don't know. You're, you're, you're raving about how shitty West Virginia is. <laughs> no, the, you set that up from something else is what I'm asking you. I don't even remember what the question was now. Eh, it doesn't matter at this point. Let's talk about running backs for week 10. I don't want to like debate why I have Marlon Mack one spot above Nick Chubb. That's kind of irrelevant. Oh, we got, we got, <laughs> listen, it's a six, six team bye week. You're basically starting everyone you need to start. Uh, the guys that I currently have out of the rankings, Benny Snell, James Connor, Chase Edmonds, Mark Walton and Chris Thompson. Everyone else is considered in who's playing. So McCaffrey, Cook, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, 
Josh Jacobs, Mac, Chubb, Bell, Aaron Jones, then Jalen Samuels, because this is full point PPR people, Chris Carson, Derek Henry. Who else do we got here? Mark Ingram. That's where Fantasy Pros put him in. Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, <laughs> Todd Gurley, Tevin Coleman, Devin Singletary, and David Johnson. Like, I I guess the two to talk about, and maybe we'll talk about Nick Chubb. What sort of impact do you think Kareem Hunt coming back will have on him? I'm actually glad you brought him up because I was going to bring him up anyway. When you said, I don't want to talk about Marlon Mack, and I said, I was going to bring him back because you know how I felt this entire time, this entire season. Like, Nick Chubb, look at his performance. Look at how good he is. Look at the talent that he is. There's no way that we're going to have Kareem Hunt come back and they're just going to be like, ah, well, you know, screw this guy. He's been so amazing. He's top five potential running back, at least top 10. But Kareem Hunt's back. We got to give him touches. I am 100% reversing course. And it's not because I think Kareem Hunt, talent-wise, is any better than Nick Chubb. And honestly, side by side, you could argue one over the other. And I won't even argue with you hard. I think they're both amazing running backs. But the use for the past two weeks, specifically this past week with Hilliard in there on third and one, and they go a fourth down and then they run it to him, but he was in there on fourth down too. And then a few more plays and the snap counts only 60%, 62, 62, six, somewhere around there the past two weeks. Now I'm legitimately concerned. And it has nothing again to do with Kareem Hunt. It just goes to Nick Chubb. And if the Browns are going to be giving him 60%, well, that hurts Nick Chubb, especially if he comes out in the game and they're giving him 60% and all of a sudden he runs five times for five yards. Kareem Hunt's first two carries go for 40. Now I, I, I am legitimately concerned. I didn't think it was going to be an issue, but I'm backtracking on it. And I'm sorry for everybody that thought they were with me on this as a top 10 running back. I still think that he's going to be a top 10 running back from this point on. And he has a definite chance to establish himself this week, uh, especially because Kareem Hunt, I don't know where his conditioning is at. He hasn't played a football game in over a year at this point that especially this week, I think he can stick with Nick Chubb. This Bills defense, not good up the middle, stopping the run whatsoever, as Adrian Peterson showed last week. Uh, and they've been having problems now for like a month trying to stop the run. That's a way to get to the Bills defense. So I would expect maybe even like 20 carries for Nick Chubb, 10 carries for Kareem Hunt, something like that. Uh, but even if he remains around his 60% mark, which he split last week with Dontrell Hilliard, I mean, that was sort of a low-end aberration. That was sort of his floor for percentage of snaps that he was playing. They took him out in some very high-leverage situations, which just absolutely made no sense to me. But hey, Freddie Kitchens, that's what he's going to do. If he can get back up to, like, even if it's like a 70-30 split between him and Hunt, that still makes him probably a top-10 guy. It does, and those are all the positive th side of things, uh, but that's two weeks in a row now. The week before this was only like 62 63%. It, it was another bad week. So, Well, again, two, two, in fairness, two weeks ago, he fumbled twice in three plays. <laughs> okay, and, but that's, again, that's my point, is you have that game, and then you come out of it, and they give him the 60%. I'm not saying it makes sense. You just painted the positive side of it. The positive side is, yes, Nick Chubb without Kareem Hunt, even as a threat, I would still be saying I am a little bit concerned. The top 10 is now he's back at the back of the top. Like before, I say he's pushing top five behind Dalvin Cook and Chris McCaffrey and those guys. He's like nipping. Honestly, he's basically to this point nipping at the heels and almost neck and neck with Saquon Barkley. Actually, I think he's got better points per game than Saquon Barkley so far. So he's in that conversation. I'm just saying going forward, I don't know that he doesn't fall out of that conversation. The positive side is what you said. He comes out of this game, dominates. Kareem Hunt doesn't look that great, and everything's fine. The downside is just the picture I'm painting for it. Uh, David Johnson, I have at number 20 right now. I believe I have Kenyon Drake somewhere around like 28 or 29. What do you expect the workload to be for these two now that David Johnson is expected to play at Tampa Bay, knowing that they're six-point underdogs and Tampa has the best run defense in the league? 
<laughs> they do. And although Chris Carson looked pretty good last week against them. So there's some, you know, there's some hope there that David Johnson, but it's not David Johnson and Kenyon Drake. It's, I don't know what David Johnson is. Like two weeks ago, we had the entire situation where he had the first carry. We didn't see him again, but two more times for the rest of the game. And that was it. And that was the chase Edmonds game against the giants. So I don't know what David Johnson's health truly is. And I don't know that we're ever going to know because Kingsbury has no reason to tell us what the truth is. He has no reason to come out and say, Hey guys, David Johnson's probably going to only touch the ball five times. I'm going to lean on Kenyon Drake again, or vice versa. David Johnson's fine. I'm going to give him 80% of the workload. Like he's not going to tell us because that'd be stupid for a head coach to tell us because he's telling the opponent what to do. That's my bigger concern here. If both practice David Johnson practices throughout the entire week, including Friday, I'm with you. I would have David Johnson higher because I still believe David Johnson is the better talent. I don't know that David Johnson is ever going to be hundred percent again though. So I don't know that you can rank them. Even if this was a cake matchup, I don't know that you can rank them that much higher. Yeah. It's a situation where you just don't know where the workload is going to be. I have Kamara at number five and I have Latavius Murray at 26, just because now that Kamara is back, they've rested him. They're coming off bye week. It appears to me that if he's going to play, he's going to be healthy. At this point, right. I would expect things to go back to the way that they were. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. I just think we might see a little bit more of a split going forward to keep Kamara healthy, especially because this is a serious Super Bowl contender. Sure, but it might be like a 70-30 split, which it wasn't earlier in the year. Right, right. I'm with you. And it's a, it's a terrific matchup this week. Yeah, so the full 21-30 to 30 range, Eckler, Mixon, Devonta Freeman, Ronald Jones, Damian Williams, Tampa, another team with a decent schedule down the stretch, by the way. Damian Williams, Jamal Williams, Matt Breda, Latavius Murray, Ty Johnson, uh, and mm-hmm. Kalen Balage. Like, it gets thin real quick with all these teams on by. So, like, like you have your Trey Edmonds of the world, Kenyon Drakes, Gus Edwards, Jalen Richard is somewhat in play, just as <laughs> only because, like, there's no one else to play. It's an issue. I don't know. I'm looking, I'm, I'm laughing because that's the frustration of where we're at right now. Six teams on a buy. That's what I complained about with the stupid NFL league. We had two weeks of two team buys and we still had to throw in a 16 bye week. Like you could have prevented this people. Come on. But you know, Hey, for fantasy purposes, we do have at least one of these every single year. And this is what it comes down to. And this is why like, to go to your point about planning for the playoffs. This is why sometimes you plan ahead. And if you have owners who haven't, Right now is a great time if your trade line is coming up or hasn't come up or whatever. It shouldn't have come up yet. Right now is a great time because people might be on that four and four range or, or four and five range or and they, they playoff contention on the line where they're going to be desperate just to win this week. And you might be able to buy low on some of these guys that are on buys. Uh, Devin Singletary, I have one spot ahead of David Johnson. Frank Gore, I have down towards the bottom of the 20s. It's two weeks in a row. Singletary has outperformed. Frank Gore. He has played more snaps mm-hmm. than Frank Gore. Are we convinced this is now his job, or is the rug going to be pulled out now that everyone's like kind of on board? I don't think so. I, I gave on the all, the podcast that we did for the Athletic on Monday. I did it in Moriarium or Moriam, whatever that thing is. With it, they scroll up the celebrities that died in the past year. I did that for Frank Gore. Like I, I think it's finally here. Frank Gore is finally done. Mostly because you and I talked about it last week. If there was a game script that should be Frank Gore, it, if everything was going forward as in Frank Gore still the guy for the power when you're in the lead and controlling it, it was last week. And the game script was that. They were in the lead. That game was never in a serious threat from the Redskins, and it still was Singletary by a uh, wide I, margin. I, 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 now I, you're right. When all was said and done, it was by a wide margin. But Frank Gore blew his opportunities in those games. I think he touched the ball like seven times inside the one-yard line and couldn't get in. 
No, well, he got stuffed three times in a row. They yeah. ran him three times on the goal line. I was watching that because I was hoping for fantasy purposes that he was going to score. But yes, so but even if you take out those three carries for zero yards without the touchdown, the rest of his carries were still. He didn't even get twenty yards on his other. No, what was it, eleven no, or so carries? Yeah, no, no, I, I know. I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying that like he was used near the goal line and then didn't get right. in. Then it immediately reverted to Singletary. What happens this week if they use the same game plan and they go back to Gore and give him that touch from the two yard line? And, 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 but now this time that he gets in do they then use him more again like I, this would be my only worry clearly i have singletary ranked higher i am ranked ahead of david johnson i think he's a good play this week but i still do worry just a little bit as it pertains <laughs> to his overall upside i here's the only concern i have i can um i would be concerned devin singletary could run into the matt forte from past like the, all those years of all the yards between the 10 yard lines and then it gets vultured. It was nonstop. You remember Matt Forte. Matt Forte was one of the best fantasy running backs in years, but got vultured. I mean, he could have been in that conversation with like top number one running backs year in and year out. But the thing that always held them back was the lack of the touchdowns because he was always getting vultured, not like nonstop. That would be my concern, but not that Frank Gore was going to take the lead. I, I really do think this is finally it. it would it surprise me? I think there's like a 10% chance. Yeah, so you have to watch out for Frank Gore vultures, but you actually have to watch out for Josh Allen vultures because that's who's actually probably going to be stealing the touchdowns <laughs> that's on legit. the ground. It's the Cam Newton situation from years past with the Carolina Panthers, yeah. Yeah, so here's the move. Devin Singletary has another good week this week. They play the Dolphins next week. Sell him before next week's game at the Dolphins because you can coax the owner in your living like he's going to smash the Dolphins, which he should, by the way, especially if he takes on another lead role this week. They end the season for fantasy purposes at the Cowboys, against the Ravens, at the Steelers, at the Patriots. That is not good for running backs. No, it's not. And I will tell you right now, I'm, I'm pulling it up as you're talking because it's in the waiver column. I would even consider selling them right now. I, like, I sure, yeah. at two. There's a trade question right now. I have Kelsey and Andrews. Should I trade Kelsey for Singletary? No. I have no. yeah. So should I say it? Should I send AJ Green and Singletary for Mike Thomas? Like yes. these are yes, that's yeah. a that's a good trade. One more. How would you feel about sending Keenan Allen for Devin Singletary? No. So or DK Metcalf and DJ Moore for Devin Singletary. I'm just saying. I'm putting all these out there to let you know there are some people that are immediately reactionary and putting Devin Singletary in like what top 15 conversation for value. Yeah. And he might be that way the next three weeks, Browns, Dolphins, Broncos. I just think it really tightens up for the bills as it goes along. And maybe he's able to maintain a modicum of value because of PPR purposes in these games where they were probably either be very close or definitely huge underdogs. And he gets working that way. But like, I guess the name that would come up if people are this high on Singletary and maybe you can try to coax people to sell Montgomery that maybe just make that swap straight up if you could. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think they both have similar value potential, but the playoff schedule, as you mentioned, is where it really swings in the favor of Montgomery by a wide margin. Yeah, like if you're a team who is seven and two or eight and one or even six and three right now and you're coasting towards the playoffs and you have Devin Singletary, if a team is on the fringe, just be like, look, let's make this swap straight up. Montgomery has a bit of a more difficult schedule the next few weeks. You need the better running back with the better schedule to get yourself in. I want the guy who has the better schedule at the end of the year because I can coast. Would you trade Devin Singletary for Melvin Gordon? Oh, that's interesting. What if it's that's, yeah? So I, pro real, I, I probably would like not that I that, like Melvin Gordon, but every no. time every time they get on the goal line, he gets the ball. 
that's the biggest thing. And the coaching shift didn't do much for Melvin Gordon's performance because as you mentioned, like without the touchdowns, it was still what Melvin Gordon has been since he's come back kind of mediocre. But as you mentioned, it's the touchdowns and the snap count saw a significant jump with the coaching change. So that's why I brought him up. I think that's an interesting one to make as well. Uh, fantasy playoffs. I get the Jags, Vikings, and Raiders, Vikings and Raiders in weeks 15 and 16, like good, not good matchups, but like not the most difficult matchups. And you can run wild over the Jags. Yeah. So it's, it's not a bad schedule to finish things out, but it's all about, but it's all about touchdowns in those games. So, all right. They figure to score touchdowns against these teams. So yeah, I probably want Melvin Gordon. heck you might be able to get go get aaron jones after last week people are so freaking reactionary i know there's the move you gotta gotta do the sell high the buy lows anyone else you want to talk about like anyone lower on this list that's in that like flex fringe if you're dealing with buy problems and you need to go pick someone up or plug someone in like would you play kareem hunt (laughs) like okay let me ask you this would you play kareem hunt or jd mckissick because i think i'd play mckissick i would play mckissick too I play both Lions running backs, tell you the truth. I could definitely see that as well. I mean, McKissick's getting decent. McKissick's been better than Ty Johnson, just because more so than anything, he's kind of like that James White role in their offense, and that's been more effective than just trying to run it between the tackles. So I would go with that. I I think the only ones that would come in the conversation after this is if Le'Veon Bell's out, but it sounds like the Josh Adams promotion from the practice squad was more to block other teams than anything. Yeah, even backups that you could potentially go get, like Bellage is available. You might have to play him this week in a pretty decent matchup against the Colts. But like if you play Trey Edmonds or Gus Edwards, I don't hate their matchups either. I mean, it's very, very, very low floor, obviously. It's zero <laughs> you did points. the reverse Chase Edmonds. What? You've, you, sp- you spelled Edmonds with an O instead of a U, and most people spell Chase Edmonds with a U instead of an O. <laughs> there we go. I've just changed it. Thank you. See, you're, you're, you're killing the editing game. I'm helping you out. <laughs> Run it past me first. Um, yeah, it so, used to be better when you just did all the nicknames because then nobody would know anyway. Yeah, I intentionally had a typo of Delaney Walker in my column. We were at Roto Experts for like five years, and eventually Scott someone loses noticed. My- <laughs> no, someone eventually noticed in year five. I was like, "Don't worry, it's an inside joke." <laughs> <laughs> nobody even noticed for the first five years. That's, yeah, that's terrific. It's always a good time. Let's talk about receivers. Before we get into the rankings, I just want to talk about A.J. Green. It does appear like he is going to return this week. What do you do with A.J. Green? Well, you, first of all, you, if you have him, you start him. I, I don't see how you don't put A.J. Well, well, how, how would you hold on to them this long and not play him when he's back? That's Some people would. But if I would, to go back to the things they're talking about in the waiver column, some of the questions I'm getting even on Twitter – AJ Green, for some owners, is still carrying wide receiver one value. If you can get that, I'm going to tell the same per- same thing I sold, told that person. Trade immediately. There's a good chance that AJ Green comes back and he's AJ Green because that's who he is. But now he has Ryan Finley at quarterback. We don't know what Ryan Finley is. He doesn't have a terrific arm. He might not be asked to throw as much as Andy Dalton was, but you brought up all the time. Andy Dalton's just throwing, 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 throwing because this offense is just throwing all the time. They could turn to Mixon more. They could. It, there's so many things that could go wrong that outweigh the positive. That if you can get wide receiver one value for AJ Green, go do it right now before he plays a game. Yeah, I'm more concerned about Fit Finley under center than I am about his actual injury <laughs> problem at this point. But so you have Green. What is the rollout effect here on Boyd, Auden Tate? I don't really care about Eifert because no one was playing him anyway. And I guess Mixon. 
Um, Mixon, you could probably upgrade just a little bit. I mean, as in the rank, he's a top 24 play for me, so he's a start. Uh, he's not a great start, mind you, but he's someone that you're probably going to start if you have. Did score a touchdown against the Rams over in London two weeks ago, so that was pretty nice. But Tate yeah. and Boyd are the two I'm really concerned about. Uh, we probably don't see much of Alex Erickson at this point. I think that Boyd probably gets a bit of an uptick now that he yes. no longer has to be the wide receiver one. It's just Auden Tate... He's a really good receiver, so I think he's played well enough to keep himself on the field. I just don't know what his market share is going to be like anymore. So that, that's what I'm interested in for this week. I, I'm with you. Is We knew the numbers going before the season because people wrote it up on several different sites that Tyler Boyd's numbers have been better when A.J. Green's on the field, and it's not even like, oh, it's 10%. It's remarkably different, and that's carried through this entire year. And as you and I have discussed before, it's sometimes certain wide receivers – can't handle being the number one. There was concerns of Sterling Shepard being able to do that. There was concerns of Juju Smith-Schuster even before Ben Roethlisberger. We saw Randall Cobb a few years ago when he was asked to be the number one for the Packers. So Tyler Boyd gets an uptick with A.J. Green back on the field. Auden Tate, for this week specifically, I still think might have value because if you saw what the Patriots did to the Ravens defense, you want those underneath across the middle guys and Auden Tate can eat up that space because that's not going to be A.J. Green. And actually, Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate could possibly have a decent game here. But I think long-term, you have to downgrade Auden Tate. Even if Andy Dalton was still a quarterback, I think we would downgrade Auden Tate just because we know the pecking orders, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, then Tate, as good as Tate's played, unless Tyler Boyd was terrible for his first two, I would say, games when A.J. Green's on the field. I don't think they're going to just switch the roles that quickly. Uh, guys that I have out of the rankings, assume everyone else is in if you don't hear their name, Adam Thielen, Sterling Shepard, Duke Williams, T.Y. Hilton, Preston Williams, and Perry Gamble. He hurt his smoking hand, and now he can no longer have the long cigarette. But he's also not going to be catching any touchdowns or taking reverses. He was actually quite involved last week. But everyone else I have currently is in. Do you think Brendan Cooks ends up playing? No. I don't. All I right. So I, I'm, how about this? I'll move him out of the rankings with his concussion, and then we can talk about the Ram situation and Josh Reynolds. How about that? That sounds good. Okay. So, Brandon Cooks now out of the rankings. I had him originally slated somewhere inside like the top 20 or something like that. Yeah, between uh, Allen Robinson and Michael Gallup. Ooh, Allen Robinson last week. What a letdown. Fun. I played him on DraftKings. Not good. So did I. Yeah, not, <laughs> not great, Bob. But I had a terrific lineup with Fitzpatrick, uh, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams. Uh, no, who, so, so we had the same lineup, basically. Pretty much. I found a way. To, I afforded Christian McCaffrey, partly because of all that. And then Allen Robinson just destroyed the entire potential of that lineup. So what do I do with Josh Reynolds? So he's obviously going to take over in the three wide receiver sets. The big difference between this year and last year, when Josh Reynolds was such a hot pickup, was they were playing... I believe it was 95% three wide receiver sets with one tight right. end and one running back. This year, Sean McVay has switched that up a little bit. They're playing a lot of 12 personnel with both Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby on the field at a much higher clip. It's around like 18 to 20%. So, I mean, that's a significant downgrade in the amount of snaps that we're going to see from Josh Reynolds. I actually think that Brendan Cooks not being around helps out Gerald Everett more than it helps out anyone. But if we're going to mm -hmm. rank Reynolds in this sort of thin bye week, he's a guy that you can pluck off the waiver wire and play if you're in a pinch where does he go like would you rather pick up zach pascal or josh reynolds to play because i'd still rather have pascal even with hoyer uh for the immediate future pascal like for this i'm talking about like this week yeah for the yeah for the immediate future yeah because let's not pretend like this is a good matchup for the rams either the steelers d has been pretty good yeah, it has been really good so would you play hunter renfro or josh reynolds okay so josh reynolds cole beasley or josh reynolds josh reynolds 
Larry Fitzgerald or Josh Reynolds? That's a that's kind of a toss up for me at this point. AJ, I would chase the, AJ I would chase Brown, the AJ Brown or Josh Reynolds. AJ Brown, he's now the number one. It's Corey Davis. He's he's taking the backseat. It's AJ Brown's team so, now. So I'm gonna fit him in between AJ Brown and Larry Fitzgerald. Um, I probably would actually move down. I'd probably play Josh Reynolds over playing Auden Tate this week too. So I'm gonna switch. I was those. just about to bring that up. I, I would gonna, play him over Russell Gage too. And I know Russell. No, Gage I, I, I I I like Russell Gage this week. Yeah, that's fine. Old twelve gauge. He's gonna he's gonna have his opportunities here against the Saints. And I like I would play if Traquan plays. I'm playing Traquan over Josh Reynolds as well. Just pl- play people against the Falcons. That usually turns out well. Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing with Josh Reynolds. I talked about him in the waiver column as well. When it comes down to it, I think he might be better for Jared Goff than Brandon Cooks was because Brandon Cook. Like here's the one thing Josh Reynolds brings that the other three. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, all of them doesn't bring size. And if you saw the use for that last game, he was used a ton by Jared Goff. And I think he gives Jared Goff a little bit of kind of like the Gerald Everett emergence this year. He gives him a bigger option to go to for what is Jared Goff is like, he's, he's not a great quarterback. He kind of needs that balance. You have Cooper Cup and Robert Woods who Robert Woods isn't completely copycat of Cooper Cup, but they fill similar roles on this offense. And while Brandon Cooks is a nice deep play threat, he's not a big guy. And I think Josh Reynolds, especially in the red zone, that's why I was so quick to answer over a couple of them because I'm going to chase the touchdown potential upside with Jared Goff for Josh Reynolds because I just think that Josh Reynolds might be the answer that fits this offense better the way it's styled this year. Uh, 1 to 20 at wide receiver rankings. Again, this is PPR. You can find all of the rankings in the comment section in description of this video and podcast. Also, always up and always updated at DKPlaybook.com. I don't know why you wouldn't know that into week 10, but hey, people ask me these same stupid fucking questions every week. So there you go. <laughs> Michael Thomas, number one. Cooper Cup, number two. Tower Lockett, Julio Godwin. I like Godwin over Evans this week with Lattimore likely on Mike Evans. Uh, but you know, he's the number one receiver. You can't like bench him or anything like that. Tyreek, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Peterson. Uh, I get it confused from time to time. Who are the who are like the three lockdown corners he's wanting? Anyway, Godwin Hill, Evans, Allen, <laughs> Diggs, Adams. That's Devonta Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, John Brown, Kelvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. That's the matchup um, that he's going to end up avoiding Lattimore on the other side of the ball by playing the slot. Presumably, we'll see. Uh, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Tyrell Williams, DJ Moore is the top twenty. Let's keep going. We got uh, Robert Woods, Allen Robinson, Michael Gallup, Mike Williams, Zach Pascal, Sammy Watkins, Devonte Parker, Tyler Boyd, Curtis Samuel, Ted Ginn back at home. DK Metcalf, Hollywood Brown, who's playing limited snaps right now still. Jarvis Landry, Juju, Odell, A.J. Green, Darius Slayton, Jamison Crowder, and B.C. Johnson at number 40, who I talked about this a little bit on the Waiver Wire show, is that I don't really love B.C. Johnson all that much, but the one thing that he seems to have taken from Adam Thielen is he gets the Adam Thielen routes once they get inside like the 15-yard line, which is highly beneficial to touchdown scoring. It is. It's it's the only concern down between that is he's kind of redundant of Stefan Diggs, where Adam Thielen's at least a little bit different. I mean, OBC Johnson essentially should just be a slot wide receiver. Uh, and I think that's why I had the number three role, though, that's taken by Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen by a lot of times. But those routes that you're speaking of often were Adam Thielen in the slot in the red zone. So there is some upside here. So is it strange seeing Odell Beckham down that low? What are you going to do? Like, you probably start him if you have him because you have no better options, but your team's probably also one and eight. Mm, I mean, mine's six and three. 
it listen I do think that we talked about like all like the buy low running backs. He is a buy low receiver right now. They have a great schedule from like after this week on. It's pretty nice. It is. It's it clears up right after week eleven, especially. And you know that team. It's, I joked about it, but that's the only team I own them on. And I did buy low on them two weeks ago. Uh, I sent Hunter okay. Henry and it, Miles Sanders for him. If you have AJ Green, would you just swap him straight up for OBJ? Oh, I would take all the Beckham. Hundred percent. Yeah, so so would I. But I, I feel like people wouldn't do that. And I understand why. And the thing is, you know, are we are we going to buy into the narrative of the squeaky wheel? Because he was walking up and down the sidelines and shaking his head and talking to himself and that he can't even get the damn ball and blah, 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 blah. So here's really interesting. And I got to tease it because I don't want to give too much of it away because the show airs tomorrow, the D'Angelo Williams shows. But he's talking about the problem with Odell Beckham. He's talking about the problem with the Browns essentially as a whole. And he said, here's the quick version of it. He thinks it comes down to practices. And he said the same thing was what they did was with the Panthers, with Steve Smith, and he was with the Steelers, with Antonio Brown, is they run practice formations and they say, hey, he's going to be double covered in this situation likely, so let's double cover him, that being their team defense. Well, what happens when you have somebody like Baker Mayfield with inexperience is he stops looking at Odell Beckham because he's like, oh, he's double covered because that's what we do in practice all the time. And that's why he's not looking at him as much. It was just very insightful. That's the quick version of it. I would definitely give it a listen, but – He's saying going back to practice and Freddie Kitchens is that if they could get that right and get it back into Baker Mayfield's head to start looking at him more, that could just be the easy fix. I can see that. So of like the pickup guys that you can use this week, I have Slayton above Cratter, above BC Johnson, above Albert Wilson, above Robbie Anderson, above Russell Gage, above Traquan Smith, above AJ Brown. I think that's sort of the, if you have to go to the waiver wire to go pick someone up, or you just don't want to start Odell or AJ Green, those would be the guys I'd go to. I do think that it's going to be Albert Wilson who gets the bump without Preston Williams around, I think. I would assume it's the same. Yeah, besides like besides Devontae Parker, but he has a role. I think we'll see an uptick in Albert Wilson, who's good, by the way. So I would actually, for this week specifically, I would play both Jets over Darius Slayton. One is because DeAndre Baker's god-awful uh, so far. <laughs> Look, he's a rookie, been thrust into a lot of bad situations and facing a lot of good wide receivers, but he's still been miserable. He's still been god-awful miserable. And I think Jamison Crowder, but especially Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, this is – the week where he, you know, we always talk about it. Look, it, I, look, the last two weeks have been the week for him. Darnold's I, I would rather play Slayton because Darnold sucks. No, no, no. Here's why I'd rather not play Slayton because watch what happened just last night while we're recording this. So Monday night football for everybody, depending on when you're watching the show is it's the fact that Cody Lattimore and Betty Fowler are still involved. If Slayton was out there just consistently bang number two all the time, then I'd be fine. But the giants keep doing this. The giants have done it even with old regimes and new regimes and Pat Shermer and all that. Just, Commit to the guy. He's shown you enough promise. What has Cody Lattimore and Benny Fowler proven at this point? Benny Fowler got cut and re-signed when they had injuries. Why are you still screwing around with this? That's my concern. It's like, I know Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder are going to be involved. I don't know how much Darius Slayton's going to be involved because we just saw that he wasn't really involved in Monday night. I don't know how involved that Robbie Anderson's actually going to be. They throw to Demarius Thomas more than they throw to him. The Giants defense could get torched in a heartbeat. But the, but, but the Jets can't? No, not to the degree the Giants can. Did you see how wide open Amari Cooper was? I think the Dolphins just laid the smackdown on the Jets. I, they did, but like at least those were contested. A lot of those were like some contested passes. I'm not saying they're significantly better, but if you're telling me Robbie Anderson versus Darian Slate, I think we're nitpicking a very tight range here. I'm just saying I would play Robbie Anderson over you know, Darius Slate just this week. I like the upside of Darius Slayton because the big difference here, especially between Darnold and between Danny Dimes for the moment, is that... Danny disappointment. 
Ah, uh, no. So I, I'm starting to really come around on Daniel Jones. I don't think he's any but good. He's had two good games. I, I, I don't think that he's any good, but I just get such, okay. I get like semi Cutler vibes from him that he's just going to force the issue. Like, Eventually, he's just going to say, fuck this. I'm throwing it 60 yards downfield. He already does. He I does know. that every single game, but so, it's okay. You're doing the same thing everybody else does, and that's my problem. This is the same thing Eli Manning did, and everybody crucified Eli Manning for it. He's Eli Manning, and he can run a little bit. That's who he is. Great. Then I want the guy that they're actually going to throw to downfield, which is Slayton. Darnold like, just wants to throw to the other team. No, and did you Daniel Jones just did that too with the Cowboys? He yeah, just but, threw his turnover but, but, but a million it, times. The only two but it, games, but it he doesn't, has, but it doesn't stop him. He then just goes back in, tries to force the issue again. Darnold like gets a case of the sads and then hands the ball off. <laughs> he's, maybe he's getting phone calls from Tim during the game. Oh, damn it! Just getting live cursed as it goes along. That'd yeah. be no good. Yeah, that's what it is. Maybe just here. here. There you go. They're playing each other. When Tim comes on, ask him his takes and ask him who's better than just play the opposite. Just let me know what the opposite is. Okay, yeah, man. That's probably the best way to go about this. Quarterbacks for week number 10. Uh, I have Jacoby Brissett as out currently. I have Mahomes and Matt Ryan as in. Obviously, Cam Newton plays down iron. Andy Dalton benched. So don't play him. Not that you were playing him anyway. Lamar Jackson, number one against the Bengals. Mahomes, number two. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. Jameis Winston is the top five. Rodgers, Breeze, Dak, Rivers on Thursday night. Matt Ryan. Uh, Rivers is the only, like, really. Although someone did ask me earlier today. It's like, should I pick up Kyler Murray off the waiver wire? It's like, yeah, you should probably do that. That's probably <laughs> a good move. Uh, Philip Rivers is, like, the most available of these guys to go stream, though. If you want to stream him, I like him against Oakland. Yeah, I don't know that his ownership's even all that too high. Uh, for mine on Yahoo, he's still over sixty percent. Surprisingly, he wasn't I believe, even in the I believe he was fifty nine on ESPN. But like that's uh, I, that that means he's out. He's out there in like quarterbacks. Like defenses are really tough to judge ownership because they're so situational. To which team has a good quarterback? Does your league have like a bunch of backups? Does most of your league play with like one quarterback? And then if there's a bye week, they stream whatever. Like in my leagues, most players just have one quarterback yeah which it should be but you're right in a lot of common leagues people have been hanging on to two quarterbacks all year long and you don't have as many options the two top options i were looking at was fitzpatrick and Derek carr you actually have them back to back fitzpatrick it's funny i have card one spot in front of fitzpatrick I, I think that the streamer this week is actually daniel jones like against the stop. Jets. stop daniel jones gonna win someone a million bucks this week I hope so, because that's the only good thing he'll ever do in his life. Uh, Daniel Jones, number 11. Jimmy Garoppolo, number 12. Josh Allen. Stafford Cousins, Kyle Allen. Now I have to really differentiate these. So Josh Allen, higher than Kyle Allen. The other Allen on a bye week. Brian Hoyer, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Derek Carr, Sam Darnold. That's the top 20. You can find someone in there to play. There's Sam Darnold. Love it. Who, where, do you have Ryan? Where do you have Ryan Tannehill? Lower. You would play you would play Sam Darnold over Ryan Tannehill against the Chiefs. I would. I mean, the way to get to the Chiefs is to run on them in Tennessee. Actually no, I runs, know. Runs I just you just quite well. You just blasted Sam Darnold. I was just kind of curious, only because you just blasted Sam Darnold so much. Yeah, it was, it was a very situational Daniel Jones fantasy and his receivers versus Sam Darnold fantasy and his. Hold receivers. on, I'm going back to your rankings, right? Okay, you do have Brian Hoyer ahead of him, so okay, that's cool. Yeah, I do. I I, I don't anyone basically Sam Darnold and below. I don't like this week. <laughs> How Trubisky, about golf Finley, baker mayfield and rudolph all right fair enough yeah so uh, anything in there like you want to make a you, you want to stand for Kirk cousins or matt stafford stafford's having an mm. awesome year oh absolutely it's, it took too long for everybody to get his ownership was just so slow to come around but 
I understood it for the past two years. People were disappointed by him and remembering. I think that's the part of it too, is that before that he was so great. And then for fantasy purposes, and then in the last two years, it was such a balance, especially the last season. And it was just hard for people to come back around and on, on, get on board. Uh, tight ends for week 10. I have Delaney Walker and Ricky Seals Jones as out for this week. That means Brate, OJ Howard, Herndon, Luke Wilson, Evan Ingram. They're all in the rankings right now. Kelsey at number one, Kittle at number two, Hooper at number three, Waller at number four, Ingram, Henry, Andrews, Everett. Those would be the eight I feel comfortable with this week. And then like the mini tier of like, "Ah, I guess if I have to, Olsen, Hollister, Fantasy Pros has ranked Jared Cook at number 11, Gesicki, Jonu Smith, Jason Witten. I'd be like, all right, I got to start these guys, whatever. And then it's like basically the, you have no tight end and you're probably screwed with Herndon, Ebron, Doyle, Hawkinson, Vance McDonald, and Jimmy Graham. So I think Herndon against the Giants, I'd just chase I, the upside. I, I, I don't know how, like, he was active last week. Did he even play a snap? I don't no. think that he did. So I don't like what, now that like the, the Jets are promoting Jamal Adams to save a roster spot, I assume the only reason that he was active last week. So was for like weird. They don't know how to do like their bookkeeping purposes. So I have no idea how healthy this guy is. No, that's certainly fair. But I was just going to say the, the upside over like a Witten, you might as well chase it. Uh, the one I would definitely would is Jack Doyle. I, I would have Jack Doyle significantly higher because it was, first of all, before heading into this game, the targets were significantly more than Ebron. And now the snaps are there too, because Ingram's or Ingram, Ebron's banged up. And I think that Jack Doyle, especially with no T.Y. Hilton, I would have Jack, I would play Jack Doyle despite even with the breakout and the Gasicki and the opportunity there. I would put I would put Jack Doyle in front of our most hated tight end in the history of forever. I'd play him over Jared Cook. Would you play him over Jacob Hollister? Probably. Okay. Because, would, you, would you play him uh, over Greg? This? Would you play him over Greg Olson? Nah, I think that's about where I would stop. Actually, I'd probably chase the upside just because Olson's the floor guy. I would probably put him right behind Everett. All right, I will listen to you. You're the guy who like ranks inside the top three in ranking, so I might as well listen to you, right? <laughs> yeah, you might as well. Although tight end has been my weakest spot this year. Oh, great. And so it's, don't play Jack Doyle is what you're saying. <laughs> no, but hey, it's worked the last two weeks. I still don't know how my tight end rankings are as low as they are supposedly, but hey, whatever. Do you think that Noah Fant is a good pickup going into the yes. bye week, or do you think that's like just smoke and mirrors? No, I, I 100% believe so because... Would you rather... Would you rather pick up Fant or Dar- uh, Darren Fells? Oh, Fells. Yeah, I'd rather pick up Fells as well. Yeah, They're mostly at the team, especially, but the red zone use. The, the Fant's been out there almost the entire season. He's, I think, second or third on the team in snaps to date, and that was before they even got rid of Emmanuel Sanders and all that got factored in. And if Noah Fant was the best receiving tight end in this draft class. He is in that classification of the Ingrams and the, you know, Andrews is actually a little bit better of a blocker, but all those guys are like, hey, you're a better receiver. You're essentially a receiver. It's just been the opportunity of a rookie tight end learning the NFL, and also they had more op- options there. He is essentially their number two receiver in front of this Deshaun Hamilton. Defenses, before we get out of here, I got the Rams at number one against Pittsburgh. I just think this is going to be a nightmare for Mason Rudolph. I know the offensive line for the Steelers is really, really good, but any sort of pressure on Mason Rudolph is not going to turn out well. And I really like the Rams next week too. And they're available in leagues. You can actually go pick them up. Ravens at Cincinnati, Niners, uh, even against Seattle. It's not like Russell Wilson doesn't take sacks and there's going to be a lot of pressure in that game. Steelers, Giants, Bills, 
Chiefs, Saints, Colts, Packers. Really like the Giants as probably like the lowest owned streamer. Uh, One of the things that they actually do do well is generate pressure on the quarterback. And we've seen the Jets may actually have the worst offensive line in football. (laughs) That's certainly possible. I would play the Bills before I played the 49ers this week. The 49ers, for the fantasy purposes, they've been consistent, but it's not like they've been lighting the world on fire. Neither of the Bills. No, they haven't. But if you're going to tell me that between the two matchups, especially for the offensive line and what's been going on with the Browns, although to watch this be a get right game for them. But I just Russell Wilson every single week, he's putting up points and you're right. He he will take sacks. It's just I don't know if I want to. I'd rather hang my hat on potential turnovers than potential sacks. Maybe I just want pressure. (laughs) The the big issue with the Bills Browns game is that just feels like 75 percent running. Yeah, 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 but that offensive line is still miserable. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's is pretty bad. I mean, Buffalo's offensive line is actually worse than Cleveland's it's offensive crazy. line. Uh, the worst offensive lines in the league right now, the Jets, in terms of uh, giving up sacks. The right. Jets, Tennessee, Miami, Denver, Arizona. So, like, Saints D, super good play. Even Chiefs D is a really good sneaky play, and obviously the Giants. Those would be I'm like surprised the surprised three- the Bengals aren't in there. The Bengals are 19th. Wow. They're, I they're, thought they're, for they're two one, reasons, just they're the, one the spot, quality. They're one spot ahead of the Seahawks. Huh. Interesting. I was going to say, because the, the quality of the offensive line, plus how many times Andy Dalton was passing, I, I thought they'd be a little bit higher. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why they're probably not more towards the bottom is the amount of times that Andy Dalton passes, that it kind of skews everything because it's adjusted sack rate from football outsiders. So oh, okay. h- how many times do you drop back and actually get sacked? He's getting sacked a bunch, but he's also throwing way more than everybody else. Yeah, okay. So in, when you look Fair at like enough. bulk, if I look at bulk sacks, I would guess it's significantly high. Yeah, so like they're ahead of Seattle in terms of percentage of times that Andy Dalton drops back and gets sacked, but they have 29 sacks this year that they've taken where Seattle only has 22 because they just passed okay. us. Oh, so there you go. Uh, defenses uh, with the best defensive lines in generating sacks per drop back, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Minnesota, Cleveland. Cleveland is super sneaky again this week against the Bills. Mm, that's like Look, Josh Allen's fumbling. He's actually recovered a lot of, well, not he, but the team's recovered a lot of his fumbles. He could have more turnovers to begin with. So I think it's a sneaky one as well. I, I do think that's interesting and probably, I, I think I'd maybe play after hearing that the 49ers slightly ahead of the Bills, but I don't know if I would have him in front of the Steelers at least. Yeah, the Steelers are maybe feel a little bit better. The Steelers are a really good matchup here. But like I said, if you're just going on pure guys who take sacks and trying to generate pressure, which generates turnovers, hopefully touchdowns, the Giants are top 10 in adjusted sack rate for a defensive line. Kansas City is eighth. New Orleans is sixth. Cleveland is fifth. Like those three options, whether it's streaming, whether it and New Orleans is usually owned, but they're coming off of bye weeks. They could be available in your league. So that those would be the uh, the four I'd look at. All right. Hey, well, so, you know, like, while I might be like 70th in tight end, I'm number four in defenses. So yeah. Cause you, you cause so you listen to me every week when it comes to defense. <laughs> it's the one thing I'm good at. All right. I give you credit for that. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, all right, Jake, what is going on over at the athletic and tease that podcast with D'Angelo Williams again? Yeah. It's to be honest with D'Angelo Williams. We actually had a listener question from our friend, Mike Taglier. He's got his, that was his question this week that got answered, but that's coming out on Wednesdays as it always does. The athletic rankings, midnight, Tuesday slash Wednesday, whatever way you want to look at it. The podcast over there with Chris Meany and Brad Ziegler. Those are Monday and Wednesdays all in sports. Myself, I have Marcus Grain on this week. So a lot of good times, a lot of good stuff as with you, just 
only kid on Twitter. I tweet everything out a million times. Everybody knows that. I'm probably muted by most people already. Yeah. I mean, I have you muted, so. I, I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, I, I did that years ago. <laughs> I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All the rankings up on DKPlaybook.com. When the Listener League is available to me, I shall put it in the description of this podcast and video. And I suggest you go play right away. It fills super quickly. So you'll want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings. I'm pretty sure if you want to win some money, $45,000 guaranteed. That's what I give to you out there, the peoples. I told you about the three giveaways at the very beginning. And that'll do it. I'll be back tomorrow with Cust and Jeff breaking down the spreads. I will be back on... No, we'll be back tomorrow twice, I guess. I got Levy coming out on Wednesday afternoon talking DraftKings picks. Then Meanie, the aforementioned Chris Meanie, will be back in studio. He's back from Vegas on Friday, breaking down all the injuries and getting you ready for the weekend. Then live Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time on the DraftKings YouTube channel on the Pat Mayo Experience Facebook page, taking your questions, ragging on cust, giving out losing bets. It's quite a show. Anyway, I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience!